0: New data from the American Cancer Society found that fewer people are dying from cancer in recent years, but that more young and middle-aged adults are getting diagnosed with it. Colon cancer is now the leading cause of cancer death in men and is second to breast cancer for women under 50. So what's happening? Here to discuss what the data means, how cancer care has evolved, and what needs to change to save more lives is Dr. Adam Duval, Assistant Professor of Medicine at UChicago Medicine. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And on the line with us is Dr. Christina Annunziata, Senior Vice President of Extramural Discovery Science at the American Cancer Society. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. I'll start with you, Dr. Annunziata. Deaths from cancer, it's been declining since 1991. That's uh, over 4 million fewer deaths from cancer in this country. What has contributed to that, that improvement?
2: Yeah, so so that is really great news that we discovered that. That's a decrease of 33% um, over this uh, time period since 1991. Um, I think this drop in cancer mortality is really uh, mostly a result of less smoking, of earlier detection for some cancers, and also of, of, of improved treatment in the clinic.
0: What do you think, uh, Dr. Duval? Uh, in in what ways do you think uh, cancer care has evolved over the years?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I would echo um, uh, what what our other guest just said. In, in that, you know, we have better detection techniques, we have better treatments for it, and we have better holistic supportive care. Um, a lot of our te- uh, treatments are quite toxic. And, and the advancements in supportive care to help our patients um, survive and both thrive through these treatments has made a huge difference.
0: What do you mean when you say that the treatments are toxic?
1: So, you know, we, we treat a lot of different cancers with chemotherapy. Um, still, even though with our new advancements in, in our immune science to be able to, um, you know, treat uh, cancers without chemotherapy, it, you know, we still rely on a lot of medicines that are would be considered chemotherapy, which have a lot of side effects. And so we now have better medicines to support our patients through those side effects and keep them safe, Mm -hmm. um, but also make them not feel so awful during it, which is obviously equally important.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dr. Anansiata, I'm curious if there are specific cancers where mortality is dropping
2: the, the mortality is dropping in, uh, well, in older adults. Mortality is dropping in in colon cancer. Um, we do see the increase of colon cancer in the younger population. Uh, mortality is dropping again in cervical cancer, it, but in certain populations, cervical cancer is rising. So, so there is an overall decrease in mortality for cancers of all Americans, but there are certain pockets uh, that we really need to focus on where cancer is increasing.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the lead author of the American Cancer Society report, who's Rebecca Siegel, said, quote, we are encouraged by the steady drop in cancer mortality as a result of less smoking, earlier detection for some cancers, and improved treatment. And she goes on to say, quote, but as a nation, we've dropped the ball on cancer prevention as incidence continues to increase for many common cancers. What common cancers is she referring to there, Dr. Anunziata?
2: So, yes, yeah, so there's an increase in prostate cancer, in uh, uterine cancer, um, and in stomach cancer in some populations. So those are the ones, uh, some people also have increases in liver cancer. So these are the ones that that uh, she needs us, she intends us to focus on.
0: What do you think, Dr. Duval? Do, do you agree? I mean, have we dropped the ball, as she stated, on, on cancer prevention?
1: I think we are behind in our science for cancer prevention. You know, we need to know more. The The trend of younger people um, getting diagnosed with cancer or colon cancer specifically and, and advanced stage cancers and, you know, younger women are more likely to have advanced stage breast cancer, for mm. example. Um, and, and Why is that? We don't really know. Um, there's probably differences in biology. Um, you know, we don't have the early detection techniques in our younger population that we do in older, and, and that's that's not necessarily like we should be screening everybody since, from birth mm-hmm. because that's not an appropriate use of resources. Yeah. We really need to be able to identify, um, you know, who's the most at risk and, and target the populations, whether it be through genetic changes. So, you know, our DNA puts us at risk for cancer, but then there's a lot of in our environment. So whether it be smoking, like was already mentioned, but also, you know, our diet, our, our exposures in mm-hmm. general, um, for with climate change and the environment are probably changing. You know, our the exposures and and putting you know our underrepresented minority or, or uh, so, so socioeconomically depressed patients mm-hmm. at more risk than others too.
0: Yeah, I think what's hard to wrap my mind around there is the the incidence of, of younger women and advanced stage. Right, you would you would think it would be earlier stages being detected. At that age range,
1: and that's probably because of the biology of it, and and, and probably the exposures interacting with our bodies. You know, our, I, you know, we. The more we learn in medicine, the more we know we don't know. Um, and so, there's probably so much co- complexity in the interaction between what our bodies are made up of mm-hmm. and our environment around us. And and understanding more of that is going to allow us to target the populations that uh, that really need to be targeted. And yeah. and then the other thing is is that you know, uh, a long term Time ago, probably decades ago, we identified that younger folks, um, specifically young adults with cancer, weren't seeing the dramatic improvements in, in survival that other older populations were, which doesn't make any sense because they're younger and healthy. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, with the advancement of supportive care and with the advancement of uh focusing on this population, a lot of those deficits have been made up. Um and, and so I think it's for our younger folks, it's much more complicated than, than just you know identifying the cancer earlier on, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these have disproportionate uh, impacts on their um, uh, mental health, which can lead to other adverse outcomes, including earlier death. And, and survivorship care plays a huge role in that.
0: Yeah. So, weigh in here, Dr. Anunciata, I mean, how, how do you think we can improve cancer prevention moving forward?
2: Yeah. So, in addition to what Dr. Javal just mentioned, uh, you know, another uh, some other things that could contribute to cancer. Um, in younger people and throughout the population um, is obesity, uh, diet, lifestyle uh, lifestyle choices, such as smoking, as we mentioned previously. Um, in the case of breast cancer, Dr. Uh, uh, Siegel linked that also to a fall in fertility with uh, women having fewer births at later age. Um, and so that could also contribute to the breast cancer mortality in the younger population. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, And sticking with you, Doctor, I mean, it is important to mention that there's a a delay or or lag when it comes to new cancer cases and mortality data. So some of those numbers that the American Cancer Society is using have been adjusted for that delay. Um, But with that being said, what was the projected number for cancer cases and and deaths for this year?
2: For this year, the projected number was... um uh, was about 5,480 diagnoses per day. Uh, that's the projected for, for 2024. Yes.
0: I want to get your thoughts on those numbers. To me, that's striking Dr. Duval. but what goes through your head when you hear things like what, what Dr. Anunciata just mentioned also the, the, the estimated 2 million new cases for men and women in 2024.
1: I mean, it's quite sobering, but But what I think about is, you know, we're diagnosing younger people with cancer and more of them are surviving than ever have. And so we know actually our cancer survivors are um, less likely to have the same lifespan as our non-cancer survivors. Mm -hmm. And so where we're really lacking, I think, a lot is in survivorship care, um, where, you know, when they're done with therapy, when they're hopefully theoretically cured, we obviously still have many, many more advancements that are needed to cure everybody. Mm -hmm. But the ones that we do, We're doing better with. Um, Yeah, and I
0: don't want us to miss that point, right? Exactly. More people, you know, these younger people getting diagnosed, they're surviving. In a lot of cases,
1: and we need to make sure that they're just that, that they're thriving as well, and so um, we and and not just surviving during their cancer care, but we know they have an increased risk of death after cancer care. And the COVID pandemic really brought that to light. as we cancer survivors are more um, uh, negatively impacted by any of our other infectious disease and a lot of other problems, higher rates of heart disease, higher rates of diabetes, all of the things that put you at risk for other problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and having an infrastructure to be able to support those those. Folks I think is equally important as, as our advancement in curing more
0: cancer. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Uh, researchers as well as medical professionals are working to figure out what's causing more adults aged 50 and under with being diagnosed with certain cancers. Uh, the data was also documented in a new report from the American Cancer Society. So to learn more, we're talking with Dr. Christina Anunciata, who's a senior vice president of extramural discovery science at the American Cancer Society and Dr. Adam Duval, who's Assistant Professor of Medicine at UChicago Medicine. Uh, just to broaden the conversation for a bit, and, and sort of uh, another reason why I wanted to have you folks on the program, is I've been seeing more adults in this 50 and under age group getting diagnosed or or dying from cancer Uh, recently was looking at the television and saw CNN anchor, Sarah Seidner, who's 50. She was recently uh, giving a a rather emotional announcement on air. Just, I think it was just last week that she was just diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And she was issuing this like warning uh, to young women out there to, you know, get yourselves checked, check early. Um, We're also seeing more young people struggle with other health issues, Uh, that I would think were normally associated with aging. So, you know, I saw, you know, an assistant basketball coach recently die of a heart attack at the age of 44. Um, Rapper Snoop Dogg's daughter, who's 24 years old, just had a stroke last week. So many other examples of this. Is this just optics or is this really happening, Dr. Duvall?
1: I, mean, I think it's really happening. Um, I think we're also, you know, more aware of and, and obviously more um, there. there's it's more in the in the news and in the media. I mean, I think yeah. Chadwick Boseman is the one that I always point to. He was diagnosed oh, yeah. as a young adult. That was a shocker. And you can see what happened to him over the few years in hindsight. Um, and
0: we saw the, the, the weight loss. We saw the visual yeah. cues. Yet none of our minds went to that.
1: Exactly. And so. I think it's really um, about. Uh, I, I think it's important that we're actually seeing more of this, that we're talking about it more, because I do think a lot of these um, were happening before and impacting populations that were are underrepresented and, and kind of underserved in general. Um, and so I think with the the new attention, it's it's very important. Um, and I think it might. Be, I think there probably is due to all the other things that we've already talked about with diet, obesity, mm-hmm. all of these other things. There probably are more instances of these kind of outliers occurring. Um, but there's certainly more, um, you know, attention drawn to them, too, which I think can be a good thing and hopefully mm. can lead to more change.
0: Yeah. Dr. Ananziata, do you have any ideas about what could be causing this? I mean, I know it's, it's difficult to pinpoint a sole cause here, but I mean, is there anything that we definitely know right now? Um,
2: So I don't think we can pinpoint, as you said, a specific cause, but uh, I I mean, I do think this emphasizes our need for, uh, for following a healthy lifestyle to help decrease the risk of cancer and of these other diseases that you mentioned in the younger population. The American Cancer Society also encourages everyone to reduce their cancer risk by not smoking, by maintaining a healthy body weight eating a diet high in fruits and vegetables and low in red meat, staying physically active and also limiting alcohol. yeah.
0: And what I think I heard you say uh, there, Dr. Duval too, was was awareness, right? Normalizing the fact that, yeah, even young people can can suffer from from serious health issues. I think primary
1: care is an uh, underappreciated. Uh, group of individuals that is incredibly important for everybody to have access to uh, and in the United States you know we have sometimes poor access to primary care and we have decreased amount of primary care providers and uh, and the like so you know I think emphasis on primary care which has started recently too is, is super important and then you know from me you know I'm a, I'm a lowly cancer doctor and so from my standpoint you know once we're once we're done with a the cancer therapy mm-hmm. is having a good primary care doctor to to partner with and making sure that our patients when they're cured of their cancer get the get the best care going forward is also something that we you know need to work on and emphasize
0: let's talk more about that survivorship right that I know that you are uh, keen on on getting that message across dr. Duval Should, should people be thinking of survival as an expectation here or are we not there yet
1: I think we're there in many cases and I think we're there in a lot of cases that we would never have even thought about it before but I think the most important thing is to, one, have a team that you trust, that you feel connected to, um, and that is expert in the the type of cancer that you have. And then, secondly, have access to survivorship care uh, in general, which is actually very, very limited in the United States in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially our, our pediatric fo- uh, colleagues um, have uh, really pushed that field forward and have excellent survivorship care for people who survive childhood cancers. Okay, but we don't have that for young adults. Um, and how to keep young adults engaged in the the medical healthcare system, um, both before and after diagnosis, um, is something that I think could also help out with a lot of these, you know, kind of scary, uh, scary, you know, uh, news uh, news clippings and things like that that, that we see um, is making sure they have access to that and somebody that they can talk to about symptoms or problems that develop.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Annunziata, I mean, is it just making screenings for these cancers earlier uh, an option? Like, I know health professionals have already made them earlier, like colon cancer, for example, we've talked about, you know, from uh, 50 to now 45. Breast cancer has moved from uh, 50 to screening at 40. Or is is this more complex? I mean, why don't we screen people before their 40s?
2: Right. So as you mentioned, it, it is complex and the recommendations are based on the data. Uh, where we have the most impact on finding the cancers and using the health care system efficiently. And having the most impact on survival. Certainly, there are people who need to be screened earlier, such as uh, Dr. Dubal mentioned. Those with hereditary cancers with a known gene, such as BRCA mutation, or if they have, a, a, you know, the colon cancer gene with the uh, uh, with that mutation or the stomach cancer gene, those certainly need to be uh, screened earlier than the recommendations. Those recommendations, 40 for breast cancer, 45 for colon cancer, yes, have been moved earlier. Uh, but uh, uh, those are based on the general population
0: yeah. I mean what if what if it's not hereditary though, and you just want peace of mind? do you recommend getting a screening?
2: We can't recommend that at the moment just because we don't have the data, and I think it is because there are there are fewer cancers in uh, patients in people who don't have a hereditary mutation so it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to say um, uh, it's hard to generate the data with so few people. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to play a clip from a woman named Amanda who shared her story on a YouTube channel called the patient story. Now Amanda was struggling with irritable bowel syndrome and then started seeing blood in her stool. So let's hear a bit from her about her experience when her doctors thought the bleeding was from hemorrhoids or a fissure. I even remember
3: kind of laughing in the office and being like, well, You know, I don't want to have like colon cancer or something. And the doctor even saying to me and reassuring me, I don't think you have cancer. (laughs) Like, you know, I think that's a little outlandish to even assume that. I think you're fine.
0: Now, it wasn't until things started getting worse when she started to take a stand.
3: My body was just saying, now's the time. This isn't going away. I mean, at this point, I've been bleeding since September. It's now March. Um, I was chronically constipated. I couldn't go to the bathroom. And when I could, it was just blood. And that was when I was like, okay, when I get back from Australia, I'm gonna insist on getting a gastroenterologist and get this ball rolling because something is seriously wrong. And I really like, at this point, I need to like fight for it. So I got an appointment with my primary care and I was like, these symptoms aren't going away. In fact, everything seems to be getting worse. Um, I'm really concerned. And he was like, you don't look sick. If you had cancer, Amanda, you would be losing weight at a rapid pace. You would be, you know, your your face would be sunken in. And I just couldn't believe that he said that to me. And I was like, yeah, if it were bad, if it were end stage cancer, of course, yeah. But my gosh, like I'm telling you what I think is happening and you are dismissing everything and not even offering a solution.
0: She was later diagnosed with stage 2A colon cancer at the age of 30. Now, we recently spoke with Dr. Sam Wainwright from UI Health about advocating for yourself, and here's a little bit of what he had to say.
4: This relationship is about more than a checklist. You can download the US Preventative Services app. You can see everything that they recommend. You could walk into a testing facility and ask for many of these things. But fundamentally, seeking health in the long term is about finding a relationship with a doctor that is based on trust and mutual understanding, someone that you feel does truly listen to you. And that relationship should start not when something has already gone wrong or when you're already scared and fearful or seeing blood in your stool or found a lump in your breast. You mm-hmm. want to find the person that you trust to walk with you through those challenging moments upstream. And the other part of that is we know that the healthcare system has been infected with white supremacy for its entire existence and has manifest a lot of harms in people of color, Mm -hmm. in women, in minority groups. And so I always start this conversation by saying like, we aren't deserving of trust just because we say so. And we've shown a lot that we have huge mountains to climb for really being advocates for justice and equity in our patients. And as patients, you should Demand that of your doctors. Demand someone that listens to you that's trying to make sure that you have access to the very best care, no matter your circumstances in life, no matter your ancestry, no matter your skin color.
0: So before we go, I'd love to hear from you both here on, uh, you know, you've listened to Amanda's story. You've heard what Dr. Wainwright had to say there about speaking up for yourself and, you know, getting proper care. Anything you would add, Dr. Duval, you first?
1: No, I mean, I think I don't know that I could put it any better. Uh, I think advocating for yourself, and and what I tell my patients is that they know their body better than I do, um, and better, and they're they're kind of the best, uh, you know, medical professionals for them. They've experienced their entire lives, and and you know, trying to emphasize in in our education of the medical field as a whole about you know really trying to listen to our patients and and hearing hearing them and meeting them where they're at. And then trying to do the things that are within our medical science to be able to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, there are limitations to what we can do in medicine. And sometimes it is just one of those things where it takes time to figure out what's going on. But at the same time, you know, uh, Amanda's story is something that I hear from my patients incredibly frequently. Wow. Um, uh, that, you know, there are with the young people who are, are diagnosed with cancer, it seems like, you know, anecdotally and with with some limited data, but it's hard to piece it out, that there are delays in diagnosis Mm -hmm. and things like that, because nobody expects young people to have cancer. Yeah. Um,
0: Dr. Ananziata, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I I agree. It's very important to self-advocate. I mean, as as she mentioned, you know your body the best. Um, If you don't have, uh, you know, if, if you're hearing something that you don't Trust. I think it's very valid and, and important to have a second opinion. Like she mentioned, she was uh, going to seek out a gastroenterologist. Um, so I mean, I think that is extremely extremely important. Um, I just there you know we do know that there are also inequities in the healthcare system. As uh, as the doctor mentioned, um, mortality rates are twofold higher in Black people compared to White people for several cancers like prostate cancer, stomach cancer, and and uterine cancer. Um, so we do have the American Cancer Society and our affiliate uh, the cancer action network who are working really to leverage our organi- organizational strengths and, and mobilize our resources across the advocacy the patient support and research to help reverse these disparities um, and help in the cancer mortality rates in all demographics.
1: I think the, the other thing that we can note is I, I'm a leukemia doctor and, and there are disparities in, in that population as well, but they can actually be mitigated and those disparities disappear with comprehensive programs. And so it's actually in some ways hopeful that it's not necessarily biology. There isn't something different. It's just how we treat people and how we support people.
0: We'll have to leave it there. That's Dr. Adam Duval, Assistant Professor of Medicine at UChicago Medicine, and Dr. Christina Annunziata, Senior Vice President of Extramural Discovery Science at the American Cancer Society. Thank you both for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.